It is called the Democracy Playbook. It is a plan to strengthen democracy, protect voting rights, and support election administration across America. Colorado is highly regarded in the playbook. Greetings again. I'm Adam Morgan. Led by the Democracy Working Group of the organization, the New Deal Forum, the newly updated version of the Democracy Playbook sets its focus on elections and election integrity. Following the misinformation-driven insurrection of January 6th at the Capitol, coupled with the continuing assaults on America's electoral system by losing candidates, the New Deal Forum felt it was important to share the best practices of Americans' elections to strengthen and better protect our democracy. We highlight the Democracy Playbook and a few of its 40 recommendations with New Deal Forum CEO, Ms. Debbie Cox-Bolton. Yes, this week we released what we're calling our Democracy Playbook, and what it is is a list or a menu, if you will, of more than 40 ideas um, uh, of how to strengthen democracy around the country aimed at the state and local levels, which is what we do. The New Deal uh, is a national network of state and local elected officials who are doing great things across the country. Um, and the, we, uh, the New Deal Forum, which released uh, the playbook, is our sister organization that works on policy ideas. And the idea was that we have this amazing network of folks who are really the ones who are the election administrators. As you well know, state and local folks are the ones who are um, who are are executing and administering our elections, and so um, in the wake of of all that's happened in, in 2020 and um, and beyond, in terms of the you know what really can be seen as an attack on our democracy, we thought that this was important to give some really concrete examples of how people can um, strengthen their democracy at the state and local levels. Is it almost fruitless in some cases to try to convince that hardcore bunch? that all the elections we have are very good, they're safe, they're solid, and those who want to just walk around saying, I stole it, you just got to leave them there and and let them, you know, bask in their own disinformation. And I would say this, I think that there are, you know, a handful or whatever that percentage of people or some percentage of people who are never going to believe that, you know, elections are secure. But I do think that there's a lot more we can do to... um, you know, assure people who really just have legitimate questions about how elections work, um, you know, and make them feel more secure about it. So I I was really struck, you know, this this, um, playbook was the result of more than a year of work from our democracy working group, which was chaired by Secretary of State's um, Jocelyn Benson in Michigan and Adrian Fontes in Arizona and a county commissioner in Pennsylvania um, and a state legislator in Nevada, all of whom have done great work. And we talked to experts and other elected officials all over the country for you know, nearly a year before releasing this playbook. And one of the things that I was so struck by was the consistent message we heard from people about transparency and all the things that people could be doing to make um, the process more transparent for people. So examples um, being, you know, actually most states have requirements that you test voting machines, uh, and you can do that in a public way. You know, we have the Secretary of State of Minnesota, who's a New Deal leader, on talking about that. And he said, you know, I used to do this before all the election hubbub, and nobody would come to these things. Now I get press to come, you know, when we test the machines, it's a very perfunctory thing. We've been doing it forever. But, you know, just to give some kind of confidence or, you know, things like that or things like tracking one's ballot, um, 
Mm-hmm. You know, uh, you know, I live in California. We have a really great system where, you know, when I drop off my ballot in the in a drop box or wherever I do, you know, I get a note or a text that I uh, te- by text that I that they received my ballot. I get another text when my ballot's been counted. You know, it just is again it's that transparency in the process. So to answer your question, um, I'm sure there are people who are never, you know, no matter what happens, are never going to, you know, be on board that our, you know, elections are are safe or secure or whatever. But that's just not the facts. And um, right. you know, we have the securest elections in the world and the and I think the more people can do to um, to be transparent about them the more we will have the majority of people understanding uh, that that's true but is that also uh, you know I, the responsibility of the citizen like me you know to when elections come around I need to pay more attention as to how it's run how my vote gets through because a lot of people would say well you know elections it's uh, who wants to talk about that and then they come back later saying oh well I didn't know well, it was right. always there. So, you know, yeah. that's a, we, we don't have too much civic responsibility requirements in America, but that should be one of them. You're, you know, preaching the choir on that one. I completely agree, and I, I you know, I feel like with, um, with rights come responsibilities, and I agree, I absolutely agree. It does not seem like too much to ask that, you know, in a representative democracy, everyone take their, um, their responsibility to vote seriously. And then, you know, and to your point, um, you know, there is a way that you can, you know, express your displeasure with what's happening or reaffirm that you like what's happening with your vote, right? You know, who you put in office to represent you. So I could, I couldn't agree more, and I absolutely think that that. People have a responsibility to take that, um, you know, to take their their job of voting seriously. I remember that was instilled in me in a really young age. I remember, like, you know, being a kid out of college and, yeah. like, you know, trying to figure out how to get my ballot back from D.C. when I lived there, to, like, back to California. But I was I, that's how seriously I took it because I knew that was something I needed to do. But um, but I will say that that even though I really totally agree with you, I do think again there are things that um, that elected officials and uh, and election administrators can also do to make the process. Um, easier for people. I mean, one thing that we're seeing a really concerning uh, trend in some states to make voting, as you well know, you know, harder, you know, and, and I think that that's, you know, that's really unfortunate. We just came off this kind of experiment with during COVID where we were trying to figure out how to run these elections during COVID, and we found out that actually, lo and behold, if you, you know, make it easier to people for people to vote, whether it's expanding your absentee voting uh, or instituting no-excuse voting, basically meaning that, you know, you could be in a, 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 a vote-by-mail person for any reason all the time, um, or, you know, putting more drop boxes out, you know, people, people will vote. I mean, when you have limited hours in very limited places on where you can vote, you make it really hard for people who are working long hours to vote. You know, that's not helpful. So I think, you know, Colorado, as you well know, is like really a, a beacon of, um, yeah, of, of people who do these things right. And, you know, you guys had a great um, uptick in your um, – in your voting, uh, according to the League of Conservation Voters, or sorry, the League of Women Voters in Colorado, yes. um, like nine point, you know, almost ten percent or something higher when when people were able to do that absentee vote by mail. So I think that's you know we should learn from that. In my African American community, I always remind them when they say, "Oh, they're they're taking away special voting days, they're taking away souls to the polls," I remind them about Fannie Lou Hamer, and they go, "Fannie mm. Lou Hamer said, yeah, back in their day, they didn't have any of that." They just showed up at the polls, whatever it was, and voted. We got to have the same resiliency. That's right. I mean, you do, you do, we do. But I mean, you, you, we all watch some of those lines that were happening, particularly yeah. in communities of color. And you know, on one hand, uh, I mean, just such. 
um, immense inspiration for people who, you know, we're going to stay in those lines no matter what and vote. But, you know, that's not a reason. I mean, that is, you know, it is government's job to make sure that people can vote and people, yeah. you know, and to and to recognize, you know, meet people where they are. We have some interesting stuff in our playbook about, you know, some states that have the mobile voting um, buses, right, that drive around to different communities sure. where there's, you know, fewer polling places. I mean, this is not really hard to do. And it's, you know, and it's, I think that, you know, to kind of our earlier conversation, like, you know, a functioning democracy depends on people being able to vote, feeling that sense of agency, and we have to make it easier for people to participate. One of the areas in the playbook, it said that we've got to give more support or give a consistent support to election officials and poll workers, because no matter what side of the fence they're on, these are the people that are showing up and doing their job and making sure the system operates. Yes. Absolutely, 100%. And I think that's probably one of the most disturbing things that happened, you know, as part of 2020 and um, and beyond has been this, you know, completely baseless and, and unacceptable uh, introduction of, like, violence against poll workers into this system. I mean, these are just people, civic, you know, people doing their civic duty to make sure. And it takes so much, right? It takes so many, so much manpower uh, to, 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 to administer these elections. So, you know, I mentioned uh, Michigan Secretary of State Jocelyn Benson a minute ago, she's as one of our co-chairs of this, you know, one of her first things uh, in the, her, after being reelected has been to introduce and, and push for uh, stiffer penalties against people who um, intimidate or, or, or threaten poll workers. And I, I just applaud her for that. I mean, this is something that, you know, we have to have people who um, will, will administer these, 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 these elections. And to your point, this is not a partisan issue at all. Um, and we have to support them and we have to absolutely not um, accept any form of violence or intimidation or threatening of the people who are doing this for us. We also have to counter the acts of voter intimidation to try to keep people away by, uh, you know, looking at them through binoculars and taking pictures and that kind of stuff, too. I think that's one of the areas the playbook says something has to be done about that. Yeah, I think it's that, you know, it's the transparency and then it's protection. It's protection of these poll workers. It's also, you know, recruitment of poll workers, too, right? This is, you know, I worry about this, actually, because of so much um, attention on those high-profile, really just terrible, tragic incidences with poll workers. You know, is it, you know we've, we, we need people to come out and do this. And so, you know, um, I think we've also got to think about how we're going to re- recruit poll workers. And we do have in the playbook as part of our uh, section on kind of civic engagement and civic education, you know, in some states have done a good job of encouraging young people to come out and be poll workers, which I think yeah. the earlier we get to people, the earlier they see the process, they're part of the process, the more invested they feel in it. Um, I think that's important, too. I know you just said young people becoming involved. Are, are we seeing more young people becoming interested? I was thinking the way uh, young men still have to f- have to file a draft card for mm. for service along along the way. That may be a community service requirement that young people file a card for to be poll workers uh, to make the uh, to make elections work. Yeah, well, I like. I mean, I think that's an interesting idea, and I will tell you that I'm a huge proponent of national service. Um, yeah. Have been for a long time, and whether it's around the polls and elections specifically, or some other way to give back to your community, um, I just think it's so important. I feel like we've, you know, as we're as we're battling this kind of bigger picture about the health of our nation and the, you know, the civility of and the, uh, of our discourse and other things. I think you know having those shared experiences um, of um, in engaging, uh, you know, in a community, helping people in their community is so important. So whether that's, you know, community service, my kids do it through their high school, uh, you know, as a graduation requirement.
requirement, but you know, um, other there's other ways to do this where you just have these opportunities to engage, whether it's you know working in a soup kitchen or teaching or what uh, poll working, whatever it is. I think that's just a really important um, part of of kind of to your point about you know being part of a community. This is we're not all individuals. We live here together, and you know, yeah, and we need yeah. those shared ex- shared experiences. There's in the playbook specifically. There's a um, a good example of a New Hampshire law where um, you know a New Deal leader Matt Wilhelm who had uh, promoted um, worked to expand the number of opportunities there were for the national service, the Corporation of National Service being a federal program in New Hampshire. And I think that's one thing states can do is to make uh, more of those opportunities available. The playbook also speaks of equity in elections. Uh, Develop that for me when we're talking about equity. Yeah, well, I think that that goes back, you know, there's a lot of ways to think about, you know, look at an equity lens. But I mean, at 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 its core, I think we're talking about um, meeting people where they are and understanding challenges um, that you you know that pe- that different communities have and so yeah. um, you know whether that is as we were talking about earlier um, you know understanding uh, you know the hours that poll polls need to be open to accommodate people who work you know different shifts whether that's making sure that there's um, you know polling places or that's why absentee voting is so great you know where yeah. people. Um, you know, or people don't have transportation and can't drive themselves, you know, three miles to a polling place. I think we have to acknowledge all of that. And then there's also, you know, equity when it comes to generational, too. And I think that's why it's so important we're talking about young people and how to engage them um, in the process early because, um, you know, not, you know, different people have different challenges. The goal is, I think, everyone, again, regardless of party, should believe that the uh, more people voting in a secure um, and transparent way, it, you know, is the goal. That's what a functioning democracy requires. Is, uh, so I think that we have to do more to make sure that everybody, regardless of where they live and what their circumstances are, have those opportunities. The playbook also mentioned the real, one of the real threats to elections, um, countering the, uh, the misinformation yeah. that's going on. It's so true. It's so true, and it's such a tricky hard issue to tackle for sure um you know i this is this is not in the playbook but i will i will just note that my um i mentioned i have teenagers and um uh-huh. i i saw somewhere like this online poll or online quiz or whatever you call it where you know it asked people to um go through and determine if a statement was fact or opinion <laughs> and yeah. some like abysmal amount of people could not tell the difference on this edition the topic is the democracy playbook it's a plan to strengthen democracy protect voting rights and support election administration across the nation colorado's election system is referenced in the playbook we are conversing with Ms. Debbie Cox-Bolton, CEO of the New Deal Forum, which produced the Democracy Playbook. Our conversation with her continues on our next edition. I'm Adam Morgan. Do keep in touch. Get your shots for COVID and flu to protect yourself. And we do appreciate you for sharing a few moments of your weekend with us. <laughs>